Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Texas Real Estate Research Center at Texas A&M University. I'm Haley Reeder, Communications Specialist. Today is Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. On this day in 1824, the Mexican Congress passed a national colonization law. This law, and laws passed in Coahuila and Texas the following year, became the basis of nearly all colonization contracts affecting Texas. The national law surrendered to the state's authority to set up regulations to dispose of unappropriated lands within their limits for colonization, subject to certain limitations, but reserved the right to stop immigration from particular nations in the interest of national security. Six years later, the federal government invoked this reservation in forbidding the settlement in Texas of immigrants from the United States. The resulting law of April 6, 1830, helped touch off the Texas Revolution. Now on to today's podcast. Please note that nothing in this podcast should be considered as legal advice. Selling, leasing, or managing real estate can be a rewarding occupation. But if these acts are performed for another for compensation, a license is required by Texas law. Furthermore, practicing brokerage activity without a license can result in administrative and criminal action. The Texas legislature created the Texas Real Estate Commission, or TREC, to administer Chapter 1101 of the Texas Occupations Code, the statute setting out real estate license requirements and activities to safeguard consumers of real estate services in Texas. If you're considering a real estate career, determining the requirements for getting your license is a pretty good place to start. Carrie Lewis, a member of the State Bar of Texas and former general counsel for TREC, penned a guide on all the important requirements and steps for both real estate sales agent and individual broker licensees. You can read her guide, called Getting a Texas Real Estate License, on the center's website. Carrie joins us today to talk more about where to start when considering a career in real estate. Thanks for being here. Sure. What are the general qualifications for an individual real estate license applicants? Okay, so there are certain uh, statutory obligations or qualifications that must be met. Uh, It must be 18 years of age or older, must be a U.S. citizen or lawfully admitted alien. And I will note, and this is on the TREC website, a DACA recipient does not qualify as a lawfully admitted alien according to federal law. So just thought I'd point that out. Uh, The other requirement is you must meet TREC's requirement for honesty, trustworthiness, and integrity. And a list of these requirements can be found on TREC's website on their rule 535.52, but it includes things like no convictions for crimes that are related to the practice of real estate, for instance, theft, burglary, a felony DWI, or some type of assault or financial crime. The rule also refers to unpaid judgments or disciplinary action against another license held in Texas or another state. And then finally, the applicant must complete required coursework and pass a license exam. 
I do want to mention um, a couple things because people always wonder about this. Uh, a high school degree is not required for a real estate license. And a, uh, a few years ago, the legislature changed the law and being a resident of Texas is no longer required. However, all sales agents and brokers must be geographically competent to practice real estate in Texas. So after you have a license, you can't practice unless you know and consider the market conditions for the specific geographic area that you're working in. So that's kind of a, a bundle of things kind of all just thrown out there. What is the first step one should take when seeking the real estate sales agent license? What's the process like from there? Okay, so it depends on the circumstances for each individual, sort of which order you do things in. But first of all, if a person has something in their background, like a criminal conviction or an unpaid judgment or discipline taken against another license, that person might want to submit an application called fitness determination to see whether they meet the honesty, trustworthiness, and integrity requirement before they expend time, energy, and money um, getting all the required uh, education and taking the exam. Currently, that application costs $50, and that'll get processed usually within 30 days. Uh, An application currently costs $185. And of course, getting the all of the required education costs a lot, lot more. So if you've got something in your background, do the fitness determination application first. Then if that's not a concern, the applicant can either start by getting the 180 hours of qualifying education or filing an application for a license to track and then getting the education. I generally recommend that a person interested in becoming a sales agent take a few courses before filing an application, just to make sure that they're really interested in becoming a sales agent and understand what's involved in that. Keep in mind that once an application is filed, the applicant has one year to complete the education and pass the exam. So again, depending on how fast a person thinks they can or want to complete the education, that may determine whether they start by getting the application first or whether they start by getting the education first or whether they start by filing an application and then getting the education. Most people kind of start with the education and then when they figure they're well on their way, they'll go ahead and file the application. Um, Educators give students course completion certificates that can be filed with TREC when the application is filed or filed with TREC after the application is filed. And by the way, applications can be filed online and that is the preferred way um, for TREC and payment can be made with a credit card. The application must be filed prior to taking the licensing exam since TREC has to approve that all education has been completed. Once this happens, TREC will issue the applicant what's called an eligibility letter that includes an ID showing that the applicant is eligible to sit for the licensing exam. So there are two other things in the process that have to happen, of course. Um, One is the licensing exam has to be taken and passed. 
And those licensing exams are administered by a third-party contractor. Currently, that's Pearson View, and they have testing centers throughout the state and even at some military installations around the world. Applicants can go online uh, to Pearson View's website and schedule the time at the testing center of their choice. A little bit about the test. There's a national and state portion of the test. Pearson View's website has a description of the content of the test and even has some practice questions available. Applicants must pass the test by getting at least 70% correct on each part of the exam. And then the last requirement in the process, which can be done anytime after the application is filed, is to get fingerprinted for a background check. This is done also by a third-party vendor called Morpho Trust, and those fingerprints, once obtained, are processed by the Texas Department of Public Safety, and results are reported to TREC. So again, uh, once the application is filed, applicants can get what's called an Identigo ID from TREC's website that will enable them to schedule a fingerprint appointment. If something shows up on the fingerprint results, TREC will contact the applicant for an explanation and it will take a little longer to process that application. It's not automatically disqualifying, but you know, the uh, TREC enforcement division will investigate what has come up from the background check and then ask the applicant for an explanation and maybe mitigating circumstances of what their situation is now. And again, they, they may be able to get what's called a probationary license for the first year. So it's not an automatic disqualifier. TREC's online licensing service provides new licensees tools to help them send sponsorship requests to brokers. What should a new sales agent look for in a potential sponsor? Good question. Uh, we, first of all, remember that before a newly licensed agent can practice real estate, they must have a sponsor to work under. Agents should find a sponsor that has a good training program and is, is in the geographic area where they will be working. As I mentioned earlier, geographic competence is required for all agents and brokers, and brokers have to ensure that their agents, their new agents, are geographically competent. So um, the other thing, if I were interviewing a, a sponsor, I'd want to know uh, what, their, what their training program is, what their development, how they develop their agents, and how available the broker or the dele delegated supervisor is for quest to answer questions um, new agents might have throughout at least their first several transactions, but probably for any transactions. Each transaction is a little different, and that's why you have a sponsoring broker, someone who has the experience in, in the business, in the real estate field, that can kind of hold, hold your hand when needed. What should a real estate sales agent consider before they take the first steps to becoming a broker? So again, another really good question, because not everybody wants to be a broker, they need to understand the responsibility that will be taken when they become a broker, especially if they will, they will sponsor agents. So I recommend um, a great way to get a sense of this 
is go ahead and take a broker responsibility course as part of their continuing education. Or at the very least, read the broker responsibility rule, which is 535.2, and the broker responsibility student manual, both of which are available on TREC's website. Sponsoring agents will require continued training and supervision of those agents. They will also need to figure out what they want their business structure to be and look into E&O insurance. Of course, to become a broker, they will have to take additional education, have enough experience points, and pass the broker licensing exam. Describe the process of obtaining a business entity broker license. Okay, the, um, the statute requires any business entity that engages in brokerage activity to be licensed. And this means that whether it's a corporation, a partnership, an LLC, any business entity, if they're doing brokerage activity, must be licensed. So to get a license, the business entity first must be formed legally and authorized to do business in the state of Texas. They also must designate an active Texas real estate broker to act on behalf of the entity for brokerage activity. That designated broker must be a managing officer of the entity and be in good standing with the commission. In other words, they can't be under current disciplinary action or have had their license um, revoked, etc. cetera. Uh, a, a Fingerprint background check will be performed on the designated broker, just like it is with a real estate sales agent or broker applicant. If the designated broker owns less than 10% of the entity, the entity must maintain E&O insurance in the amount of $1 million per occurrence. So TREC will require the business entity applicant to submit documents to validate that all of these requirements are met. So they have to submit something called a franchise tax account status printout page that's within current within 21 days prior to the application. That will show proof that they are authorized to do business in Texas. They have to show proof of managing authority of the designated broker. This documentation may differ depending on the type of entity. For example, a corporation would submit their articles of incorporation, their bylaws, and a corporate resolution. A partnership would probably just have to submit the partnership agreement. Then they have to submit proof of ownership or proof of E&O coverage, depending on how much uh, ownership the the broker has in the entity. For uh, an entity ownership, a lot of, of times an IRS Schedule K-1 is acceptable to show percentage of ownership. Or again, formation documents for the organization could be accepted. For instance, the operating agreement for an LLC would be proof of, would show proof of ownership. And then if they're going the route for E&O insurance, the proof of E&O insurance must be submitted on a TREX certificate of insurance for a broker entity form. So a lot of, a lot of things to uh, look at. All of this is available in the article and also TREX website, of course, is a good resource as well. I would like to add that when you're filling out your application, whether it's for a sales agent, a broker, or a broker entity, be honest. Be truthful, be complete. 
if if you answer a question and it says you need to file an additional background uh, information form, just fill it out and fill it out as, as honestly and completely as you can. Lying on an application is grounds for denying an application. And remember, fingerprint background checks are done uh, in addition. So if there's something in your background check, probably will find it out. But as I said earlier, it's not an automatic disqualification. So be honest, explain, explain the situation, and, and good luck. Well, thank you so much for coming on and joining me today. No problem. I'm always a pleasure, Haley. Thanks again, Carrie. For more, read her guide, Getting a Texas Real Estate License. We posted a link to the article on our podcast webpage and in the YouTube description box. Carrie has authored many other articles on legal issues, including residential lease status disclosures, TREC addendum for fixture leases, ADA and FHA accommodations and modifications, and more. We included a link to these articles on our podcast webpage. Please note that nothing in this podcast or in any of Carrie's articles should be considered legal advice. For advice on a specific situation, contact an attorney. That's going to be it for today's podcast. If you're looking for more from the Texas Real Estate Research Center, head to our website. That's www.recenter.tamu.edu. There, you'll find the latest data, research articles, blogs, news, and more. You can also check out the center's News Talk Texas database, which is updated daily with the biggest headlines in Texas real estate. You can also subscribe to Recon, our bi-weekly newsletter, to get all the biggest stories sent straight to your inbox. To stay up to date on when articles are published on our website, follow the Texas Real Estate Research Center on social media. You can find us with the handle at RECenterTX on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. For more podcasts like these, you can subscribe on iTunes or to our YouTube channel. All podcasts are also available for free on our website. Thanks for joining us today in the Real Estate Red Zone, brought to you by the Texas Real Estate Research Center in College Station, Texas, where we've been helping Texans make the best real estate decisions since 1971. This is Haley Reeder, and I'll see you next time. Bye.